1: A new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Available wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Sometimes our commander-in-chief,
3: ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman and now the 21st century i'm an extremely stable genius you're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck here are royal oaks and connor oaks this is too many lawyers this is too many lawyers i'm royal oaks and i'm connor oaks so we're gonna kind of shift things up shake things up a little connor you know oh yeah Last few shows. Is this now uh, a sports podcast? I don't know how the how the downloads have been because remember one was a, a theme show. The whole uh-huh. show was uh, the rule against perpetuities. Is oh, it really yeah. that complex? That'll put you. That'll put you right. Some people liked it, you know, property lawyers. And then oh, the week before that, I think was uh, Latches versus Estoppel. Mm. What's your fave?
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: You know, you and I enjoyed the shows. Right? But I I don't know if everybody did. Well, I kind of made some of those up. But but here's the deal. Today, provocative topics are on the docket, okay? And we got three big provocative topics. Topics in the news. Numero uno. Should Trump go to prison for an attempted coup on January 6th? So that's controversial. That's not rule against perpetuities. No. Number two. Should we pay slavery reparations? And if so, just to descendants of slaves or all black Americans? That's being looked at by a reparations commission appointed by Governor Newsom here in California, and third and finally, should we be rooting for Clarence Thomas to die? Now you say, <laughs> Royal, what kind of a monster are you? Should, I'm just I shouldn't laugh. I'm but. just quoting from the internet because uh, when Clarence was in the hospital with an infection a week or so ago,
1: social media
3: was really pretty unpleasant, it was a hot topic. emanating from some quarters. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into that. We'll also talk. Uh, on a more substantive uh, tone uh, regarding uh, whether it's a problem for Clarence Thomas to be ruling on decisions where uh, his wife, Ginny is a big activist. I mean, she's not just interested. She's right. a leader in oh, sort yeah. of the the new Tea Party. So we'll, we'll talk about all that. Before we get to uh, the big questions, though, a preview of our two special features at the end of the podcast. Um, first, guess the verdict, uh, our game show where Connor guesses the outcome of a real live case. This is Today will be the case of the flatulent lawyer. So that's going to be a tough one, Connor. It's, uh, it's going to be a real stinky situation. And finally, our, our other feature at the very end of the podcast, if you are so inclined, you're welcome to stick around. It's not so legal. It's, it's the new feature, Stories. I'd tell my friends if I had any. To clarify, I have several stories. And today, we're going to talk about my close encounter with Jeff Goldblum. When Ooh. Jeff and I... Pretty much bonded. Nice. It was it was a lot of fun. So do stick around for that if you are so inclined. Before we get to uh, whether Trump should go to prison, just a few follow ups on some recent uh, news stories. Um, I would say we'll advance the story. We'll say more on Will Smith. Now I, I don't mean ah, he's a moron. We're just talking. It's more on him. More. Space on yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Oh, the humanity. He's resigned from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. I mm. guess he figures his crisis management folks said, uh, <laughs> dude. Make some moves. Yeah, the rule is when you're in a pickle and there's a crisis, you have to figure out what the public would want you to do, and you do even more. Yeah. And then they'll say, oh, my gosh, I guess, you know, he kind of lost it briefly, but look at the wonderful things he's done. So he's actually resigned from the Academy. Now, when you look into it, though, uh, oh, my gosh. All it all it means is he won't get the free DVD screeners of the nominated films and he won't get to vote. He
4: doesn't get to vote. That's huge. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know <laughs> if it, maybe semi-huge yeah, it would Be
3: medium. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to take his Oscars away. They didn't take Harvey Weinstein's Oscars away. They have ejected Roman Polanski, Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein. Uh, so maybe even though he's resigned, maybe they will eject him. Oh, and. This was rich. O.J. Simpson weighed in on social media. Oh, God. Yeah. He made a comment about how, you know, I can understand uh, wanting to commit violence, you know, to protect your woman. Really, O.J.? Yeah. uh, Dude, you committed a double murder, one of which was your ex-wife, your woman. So uh, a little weird that O.J. Simpson would be weighing in, but he's got time on his hands. So, um, another story I wanted to run by you, Connor. Maybe you feel differently about this because I know you want to you help uh, folks uh, achieve proper recoveries in lawsuits. But if you have any doubt, Connor, that we have too many lawyers, mm-hmm. check out the new class action against Burger King. It's been filed in Florida, and the lawyers say people were misled by the sandwich sizes in the ads. oh Okay. They say the Burger King's Whopper really isn't a Whopper. The pictures are misleading. They said, quote... Burger King advertises its burgers as large burgers compared to competitors and containing oversized meat patties and ingredients that overflow the bun to make it appear the burgers are approximately 35% larger in size and containing more than double the meat than the actual burger. Really, is this
4: what we want? Uh, Using miniature buns. that that Because that would be a real... In the photographs, they use miniature buns, which is evil and brilliant and then they should pay me for the idea, If then they should definitely get sued for that. <laughs> Besides, if they're not using miniature buns, guys, get out of here.
3: So the lawyer says, uh, we're ultimately seeking changes to the photos for the materially overstated menu. I disagree. I think he's ultimately seeking a lot of money yeah, yeah, that yeah. will drive up the cost of the Whoppers. <laughs> uh, it, it's pretty amazing.
4: But no one wants the Whoppers anyway because they're small and bad, so who cares? By the way, he says it's a $5 million suit. That's that's the plaintiff's Ballpark. lawyers. Ballpark.
3: yeah, yeah. Ballpark. Yeah, Ballpark. no, four million six million something hard to know in that range yeah um next uh advancing the story the situation in chicago you know lots of lots of crime 50 percent of the carjackings we were told in chicago are are carried out by juvenile suspects and so here's what the mayor mayor lightfoot said uh, about the fact that young folks are, are carjacking cars she said uh-huh. there are too many young people that feel unloved and we need to change that if we're going to change the trajectory of their life. I couldn't even get it out with a straight face. How did she get it out with a straight face? Connor, uh, yeah, I know I you've am, got some strong opinions about the yeah. criminal justice system, yeah. but is being unloved as a like a 15-year-old in Chicago, <laughs> is that the reason they're carjacking
4: well, look, Lamborghinis? I, I, I am no fan of Lori Lightfoot, um, but I'm also no fan of... Uh, believing cops, criminal crime statistics, because they're all made up. They're all nonsense. All right, instead of 57, let's call it 52 yeah, we'll, percent. We'll knock 5 percent off. It, crime in uh, America, like the entire United States and in major cities, the centers of of, of danger and, and fear uh, and, and mean world syndrome like San Francisco and Chicago and Los Angeles and New York and all these other big cities, uh, they are uh they're not um up. the the numbers are down. Like the the numbers were historically down right during COVID because everybody's locked in their houses and so nobody was out committing crimes, nobody was interacting with each other. And then they have gone back. But if you compare them to 2019 levels and 2018 levels, crimes actually down. And and these are often using cop created Crime statistics, which have no checking systems. Well, you may be right, but, you know, we'd have to check the Internet. And to me, that sounds like a lot of work. But Um, okay, big picture. Are people unloved and therefore committing crimes? (laughs) It sounds silly, but yes. Well, here's another explanation, though. She's
3: got another. She says, uh, you know, uh, I'll be frank and say in Chicago, there's a correlation between remote learning and the rise in carjacking. So now we got two theories. (laughs) We got they are unloved. Right. And doggone it. They're in school on Zoom now. Wouldn't yeah. that cause you, Connor, if you'd gone through that horrendous experience to go, experience, to go steal yeah. a Bentley?
4: Look, this is unfortunately, I think, uh, uh, another Maybe justification she had an aneurysm. for no. It's 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 the the people in positions of power and and, and mayors and governors and presidents sometimes why? It, they want things to go back to normal. They want nobody to make a scene, nobody to make a mess. They want to go back to pre-COVID. They want to justify the status quo always. When you're in power, when you benefit from conserving the status quo, you want to justify it. You want to explain why it was the best. And so you see something different that has problems like remote learning, and you say, well, that's probably the cause of other problems in our society. Does she have some sort of scientific study that shows why you know, carjackings are related to remote learning? No. Am I saying re- remote learning is good or good for kids? No, I'm just saying. She might have a study. No connection. You know, check her desk drawers. Yeah, we, yeah, we, exactly. don't, we Look, don't really know. Overall, like I said, not a fan of Lori Lightfoot, but the idea that there's, you know, that they're, that, that, that. Is so because you're biased men, against indigenous peoples? That, yeah, maybe that's it. it. Is that when people are economically and socially dislocated, they commit crimes? At least that is is well documented. Like that is where uh, that, that sort of general concept she, she is, she's coming from the right place of saying the the, that the people who perpetrate crime, like property crime, carjackings, property crime, um, you know, obviously it's also a, a, a violent crime because carjacking is different than stealing a car on the sidewalk uh, parked at the curb. Carjacking involves, you know, taking it by force from a human confronting the owner, but especially property crimes uh, are often a result of, uh, social conditions, right? People aren't evil. They're not out there committing crimes just because it feels good. They're they're committing crimes because they're desperate, because the economy's bad, because they lost their jobs, because they're homeless, because they need help. These are problems that the government can solve. So yeah, Lori and I are uh, linking arms and singing kumbaya on this one. (laughs) These, uh, you know, people just need more love because that's where crime comes from.
3: So when we come back, we are going to get to the first big topic. Is Donald Trump guilty of a
4: coup attempt? But first, Connors can tell you how to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers. Yeah, check us out on whatever podcast platform uh, you like, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, but probably Apple Podcasts. And make sure while you're there, you click the uh, subscribe or
0: join buttons and leave us a comment. We like them. And we will be right back.
1: a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.
3: This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So there's a federal judge in Orange County, uh, part of the Central District of California, uh, Judge Carter, David Carter. And uh, he's kind of a tough guy, former Marine. Uh, he's shown a lot of concern about his fellow veterans uh, on the homelessness issue. So he's been in the news uh, on that. But now he's really in the news because uh, recently he came out and said pretty much, yeah, I think Donald Trump and his uh, evil advisor, Professor John Eastman of uh, Chapman uh, Law School, um, tried to commit a crime, a conspiracy to essentially have but a coup. only over because the
4: only because America didn't love them enough.
3: Perhaps, maybe uh, I I can't be sure about yeah, that. Could be, uh, or maybe because John Eastman was forced to do Zoom classes. That could be it, also. Yeah. So here's the deal: um, the House committee is very interested in finding out what happened on January 6th, the background, and who knew, and what happened on the actual day. They've interviewed, I think, about 700 people, and they've, they've subpoenaed countless folks and companies. So what they did was they went to Chapman University, where there is a server containing all of Professor Eastman's emails. In Orange Donald County, Trump, California. In Orange County. and so Eastman, Which is why this judge has it, yeah. Eastman, of course, is the guy who was brought in as a constitutional scholar, which which he is, to advise Trump on whether or not it's okay to pressure Vice President Pence to send the darn election results back to the states. And Eastman said, yeah, depending on what account you read, Eastman either said, absolutely, you have a right to do this, and Eastman spoke at the rally, and he was very emotional on January 6th. Other accounts say he said in the Oval Office, well, there's this theory, it's possible, I'm not saying it necessarily would win, so So, you know, it obviously, in hindsight, looks like a pretty wacky theory. And we don't know exactly what he said. But that's why the House Investigation Committee wants to look at it. So uh, Eastman, with Trump's uh, concurrence, I believe, responded by saying, oh, no, 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 it's protected by the attorney-client privilege because I was acting as the president's lawyer. And so the server at Chapman should not be uh, forced to hand over the stuff. So the judge ruled that... The government was right when the government said, no, the attorney-client privilege does not help Eastman because of the crime fraud exception. If you and your right. lawyer are engaged in cooking up a crime, then the confidentiality
4: that normally applies Yeah, you would can't not use apply. a lawyer to shield, uh you know, what would become evidence in, in a, a criminal uh, proceeding uh, against uh, the court's prying eyes. The court's obviously going to hand wave past the attorney-client privilege. The courts love the attorney-client privilege, of course, et cetera, et cetera. They want to protect the integrity of the relationship and blah 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 and but when it comes to protecting crimes you can't conspire with your lawyer. You're only allowed to bring a lawyer in later to defend you about crimes you committed in the past and then that, you know, your conversations with the lawyer are protected about what happened in the past. But as to, you know, conversations that you have with your lawyer where you and the lawyer are committing a crime together, no, that one's not going to be protected. Yeah.
3: And the headline is was the language in the judge's order. He said, quote, Dr. Eastman and President Trump launched a campaign to overturn a Democratic election. It was a coup in search of a legal theory. Now, That's really strong language. Now, the context, of course, was very narrow. Namely, should a handful of emails be handed over? So it's not like the judge is making a pronouncement and Donald Trump's going to go to jail. But... You know, uh, a lot of folks are watching this case, including the people who might be inclined to indict Donald Trump back in uh, Washington, D.C. I mean, all you have to do is get a grand jury going. We've got a grand jury up in New York City looking into the financial uh, allegations of financial crimes. You've got a state court grand jury, I believe, down in Atlanta looking into whether Trump uh, broke the law by saying, hey, Secretary of State in uh, in Georgia, get me those 11,780 votes or however many you needed. But I guess the ultimate question is, is this kind of statement by a federal judge in California going to embolden folks in Washington to to actually indict Trump? Because, frankly... I've been waiting for the Joseph McCarthy moment because mm-hmm. Joe McCarthy yeah. was a demagogue in right. the 50s who was riding high 50 percent plus approval rating for his anti-communist crusade. And it was the Army McCarthy hearings on national television and TV was just kind of getting its sea legs that convinced the entire nation this guy was a demagogue. And within months, he'd been censured by the Senate. He was gone. He went from riding high. to So where is the Army McCarthy hearing moment for Donald Trump since everybody knows he tried to engineer a coup? And right. why aren't people taking steps to indict him in the nation's capital?
4: Yeah, it, it it's a really tough question. Is America simply different than it was when the Army McCarthy hearings happened? Are we incapable of that sort of switch of... Allegiance to somebody, to a demagogue—that uh, sort of, you know, that moment of clarity when you realize that this person is actually not who you hoped that they were, dreamed that they were—is that not the kind of move that we can make as a country anymore? Are we instead so entrenched and so bound uh, to our own you know, commitment of our own political ideology uh, that we 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 get mired, we get so stuck? It's possible that the rise of the social media culture that we live in has made people so personally identify uh, with the politics of their uh, favorite demagogues and get so locked in that it would be too socially painful to admit that you were wrong because you have this. You know, it's human nature. Yeah. You just have this long, this litany of history that you have to overcome on your Twitter page and your Facebook page and everything else. How are you going to possibly come back from this? The only move is to double down. Maybe, maybe also uh, we're just in a a moment of uncertainty and fear in uh, the country um, and across the whole world about. Everything from a global pandemic to a climate crisis, World War Three, to World War Three with Russia, to uh, all this stuff that's happening—that is unlike, um, say, uh, the the when I was you know in high school, um, the the conflicts were you know 9-11. terrorism yep. and then terrorism and uh, the uh, the war you know it, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Well, it was pretty stressful in the 60s, though, when I was
3: in school, when you're we had the Cuban right. Missile Crisis and people seriously thought, you know, you're absolutely and, right. and in hindsight,
4: we now know we came kind of close. Pretty close, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, it's true. Uh, the, the, the Cold War is, is hard to top in terms of existential threats. Um, and so. Well, here's, the, an, here's an interesting angle uh, that involves John Eastman.
3: Yeah. Uh, Joe McCarthy, you know, yes, Roy Cohn whispered in his ear. in in all the old newsreel footage that we see. But nobody blamed Roy Cohn for Joe McCarthy. We blamed Joe McCarthy for being what he was. Donald Trump is actually able to say, look, you can uh, sue me for a malicious prosecution or you can try to indict me. But my state of mind was important. I had a a pretty well-respected conservative. So, you know, progressives didn't like him. But he was nonetheless a pretty well-respected constitutional scholar telling me you've got a theory here, Mr. President. Let's go. Let's get it on. So that, I think, might help immunize him. Ironically. Eastman might. People are talking Go about down. him yeah. facing criminal liability. Right. But I think that gets back to the question. I wouldn't be. I'd be very shocked if it turns out that he really was gung ho. Eastman was. Yeah. I think instead it's the truth is more of a. Well, you asked for my opinion about some possible right. theories and you you could. Why not run it up the flagpole? You yeah. know, why not see what the courts say about it? So- I think
4: Trump is quintessentially a mob boss. He's very good at. um appearing to be so incompetent and stupid uh, that the people around him must be the mastermind somehow. Oh, this guy's going to take the fall for me. Oh, I got bad advice from my lawyers. Oh, it's really Rudy Giuliani's fault. Oh, it's really these bad generals' fault. It, it, throwing, uh, you know, it, it, Michael Cohen uh, getting thrown under the bus. The whole his, whole his whole political career has been throwing his former confidants under the bus and having them betray him. And um, we haven't seen uh, uh, Rudy betray him uh, yet, but you never know. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's really... It it really, I I think, is uh, so different than other political figures who— because they feel that their image is is everything that they have to be the one ma- making the decision and you know making the, the those tough calls and they they don't throw other people under the bus in the same way or when they try they're less successful. Whatever Trump does, he does it right. I think they're going to have to wash the wheels on that bus you're talking
3: about because oh, it boom. sounds like a lot of blood and guts there. <laughs> hey, this is so stressful and yeah. such a, a, t- a tough to- a thorny yeah, topic. Yeah. Let's let's t- go to our second topic, which go you know, light. give Get us light. it'll Get be kind of yeah, lighter, yeah, yeah, it'll yeah, be yeah, a little yeah. easier. Easier, And it is this paintings. slavery oh, reparations. God. Yeah. OK, that's kind of rough. Well, so there's a California commission yeah. appointed by Governor Newsom a year or two ago. Uh, it's been working away. Uh, they're ready to vote on whether to recommend that money be given just to the descendants of American slaves in the 1800s or should money be given to all black Americans based on on systemic racism. Uh, they just a few days ago finished uh, doing an initial vote and they, they seem to be inclined toward ju- going to just the descendants, the money going to the descendants. But some people are worried about genealogical proof. I mean, how are you really going to know who deserves yeah, really money, and who doesn't yeah. and so on? You yeah. know, aside from the underlying issue of is it even a good idea to be considering uh, reparations? But they're considering it. And, and I'm sure that there are similar uh, commissions around the country that are also looking into it. But I don't know that there's been a big push on the national uh, level, uh, but but Newsom's commission is is working away, and their report is due in about a year. And once the report is submitted, the California legislature will uh, will sink their teeth into it and decide whether to to pass a law. I, I wonder, do you think that this is going to get traction, or do you think it's kind of a, a, another issue where the conservatives uh, like to say, "Aha, you know, they want to defund the police. You know, they want to uh, totally uh, disarm our nuclear force." They want to have totally open borders they want to give slavery reparations is this going to be among the litany of hot button culture issues that may well favor the right as opposed to the
4: left Eh, i'm not too concerned that is with concern trolling the the left on this and saying oh it's going to move your poll numbers to me i think anything that is good that the left does will lose them uh, you know, favor with the right, because the right wants to do the other thing. They disagree. They, they want to do it the other way. Now, maybe they have good goals and they want the you same mean, you thing. You mean the wrong way. They want the, the, the right thing done, I'm sure, but they want it done the wrong way. Yes. So uh, in my opinion. So anytime you uh, are successful in achieving something, uh, you're going to get flack for it, in my opinion. Uh, and there's no escaping. that. And, and I, I don't think it's, it's uh, you know, productive or valuable to say, well, is it, are you going to lose Donald Trump's vote uh, on this if you uh, if you uh, um, if you hand out reparations? Right. In my mind, this is an incredibly complicated question. The, the idea that we only have a year to figure it out seems that we're under a lot of time pressure here because this is, a, a, this is a, a really complicated issue that goes to how much uh, certain groups and subgroups have suffered under certain circumstances and why and what we can do to uh, alleviate that. If you, if you limit... Reparations to only the descendants of those who were actually held in bondage as opposed to all black Americans. You're saying to those black Americans who are not getting reparations that the effects of systemic racism that they suffered don't rise to the same level as the effects that, that uh, the, the, the children um, and children's children of uh, enslaved Americans did. Or you're saying that's not the right word, the wrong we're trying to write here and now. We're only trying to solve the problem of a moral wrong was committed uh, a couple hundred years ago and we're trying to fix it. But the, the the question you know it, that really begs the question: Why are you trying to solve this moral wrong? It's because people are are suffering here and now, and if people are suffering here and now, and you can alleviate that suffering of the the, the African Americans uh, or Black Americans who were were not the, are not the descendants of slaves, um, then why wouldn't you alleviate their suffering? It is the same goal that you're trying to accomplish by enacting reparations programs broadly. So it, it really kind of, in my mind, is a, is a circular argument to say that we're trying to separate these two wrongs, to say that systemic racism is bad and slavery was bad, but we're going to solve the slavery problem. Well, Sounds like this commission is, needs you. Sure. <laughs> why, is slave, why is systemic racism bad? Well, because it has these bad effects. And why is uh, why was slavery bad? Because it has these, these bad effects. And those both, both those bad effects have the same manifestation that black Americans are suffering in 2022. And we can alleviate that. We can fix that. Well, then I think we have to do all of it. So I this is I'm not on the commission yet. <laughs> uh, they haven't called. I wait by the phone every night. Uh, but I mean, I, I can see this the, uh, the the arguments. I can see the arguments for both sides in my mind. The argument for giving reparations to all uh, black Californians um, is stronger. But again, you know, maybe maybe the commission will change our mind.
3: We are going to uh, take our final pause. And when we come back, another easy issue. Um, Clarence Thomas was in the hospital. Should folks have been rooting for his death when he was in the hospital? And also, maybe we'll get Connor to weigh in on a, a thorny issue if the reparations checks go out. Should Clarence Thomas be excluded from the
0: list? Stick with us.
3: on Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Roy Oaks. And I'm Kyle Rokes. So Clarence Thomas is in the news uh, in a couple of ways. Uh, he was ill, he was in the hospital, had an infection, and some people were actually rooting for his death. Now, in addition to that, however, uh, a lot of people are concerned about the fact that his wife, Ginny Thomas, is a very active person on uh, the 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 culture war war issues, Uh, and uh, a lot of people say that Clarence Thomas should recuse himself from causes where his wife is uh, expressing strong uh, opinions. So let's let's talk about the hospitalization. Uh, Of course, there were many well-wishers when Clarence Thomas was in the hospital, but... Uh, then Adam Brinklow, um, he's written in San Francisco Magazine, wrote, uh, "quote I sure hope a certain thing happens." Close quote. Now that's kind of subtle, cryptic. Yeah, what yeah. could he mean by that? And then um, stand-up comedian Kath Bob Arado uh, wrote. I'm just logging in to say I hope Clarence Thomas dies and his wife Ginny jumps on his funeral pyre. Hmm. Well, I guess we give her a pass because she's a comedian. Is that it? But really? Well, we don't want anyone to slap her. And then after saying that, she shamelessly plugged the date and times of her next shows. Sure. So uh, Knowledge First co-host Jordan Holmes, another comedian, um, tweeted, In regards to Clarence Thomas, I am currently chanting, die, 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 (laughs) if you'd like to join me. uh, The hate spread to TikTok's influencers include uh, uh, OG of the HRC, a fervent supporter of Hillary, expressed sinful thoughts over Thomas's admittance to the hospital. I mean, I'm not alone, right? We're all like, is karma doing its thing right now? Yeah. Uh, so tell me, Connor, you uh,
4: you wouldn't join that parade of uh, unwell-wishers, would you? Well, I personally was joining that parade of, of uh, unwell-wishers. I'm going to give you another um, chance to just say, of course not. Just uh, change that. Yeah, edit that. Can you edit every, edit that, edit yeah. that out? Look, when you take a lifetime appointment job in politics, you are signing on for people to wish death on you that is well, yeah uh, that john is kennedy signed
3: on to be exposed to maniacs like lee harvey
4: oswald but no, it doesn't make no, it right no no no. That, that's very different because wishing death on somebody is different than of course taking any material step
3: mm, different but they're both really really bad people right lee harvey oswald and the person wishing death i
4: mean what about no i i really don't think so i i wish death on you know i i, I don't i don't Want to see the person dead, but of course I want the effects of them being dead, which is to say that we might save a, a, a crucial, you know, American institution and transform it for the better to actually make the lives of Americans better. And when we have a broken system that in in entrenches people in a position of incredible power in the Supreme Court for lifetime appointments. The opposite of lifetime is death time. And last week, it was Clarence Thomas's death time on Twitter. You know, this is... Well,
3: according to these people, let me lay one more on you. His name is uh, Jay Perk. Yeah. And... he, uh, he said, nobody wants to openly admit we all hope Clarence Thomas dies. Whatever you need to tell yourselves, this whole rule, we're not to wish ill on people is silly. Uncle Thomas is a sexist token who's committed himself to making us all share uh, in his and his treasonous wife's misery. I cleaned that up. He he said all share in he and his treasonous wife's misery.
4: So maybe, maybe Jay
3: should, in addition to have gone slow to down morality
4: school, yeah. gone to grammar school. Well, you slow down and edit your tweets. Uh, you, you, they might end up on a podcast somewhere it being read out aloud, like you know
3: by the way when Donald Trump's brother Robert Trump died in August 2020 mm-hmm. uh, many um, followed the hashtag wrong Trump, uh, <laughs> trope on uh, the website. So you know, I, I just think it, it is kind of to me it's tragic to to see people. Uh, it's such a sign of our polarized society, but I don't think we have the any sol- joy, solutions
4: for it. The joy of uh, democracy is that political terms. You know, our <laughs> American wish democracy, death on your enemies? Uh, is, is that <laughs> a joy of democracy? Is that uh, uh, our uh, our political enemies term out? You know, their careers end; they retire and they go uh, and they 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 sit in their mansions, uh, as politicians often do, and they live out the rest of their lives, ideally. But when you don't have term limits and when you have lifetime appointments, there seems to be no relief from the stranglehold of the of your political enemies controlling you. I mean, the, the 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 people of Russia See that who the sane, smart, you know, morally correct and well informed enough Russians who see what terrible things are being done in their name, likely wish death on Putin because he's not going anywhere. There's no end to his rule. So they must wish death upon him. If you wish death on your city council who have, you know, two-year terms as rotating into the mayoral position, you're probably crazy. You're probably a complete wacko, and it's morally bad for you to be expressing Well, if that.
3: they denied your permit to add a second story to your house, right. like, you know, that'll drive some well, people crazy. Well, a fifth crazy. story.
4: Obviously, I already have four, but I need a fifth, darn it. Look, the, there's a difference between wishing death on somebody with a lifetime appointment. That's my point. I also... it's an intriguing, unusual, different take on thank this. I'll, I'll grant you thank that. You, thank you. I well, that's what podcasts are all
0: about.
3: That's right. So let's talk about the other issue on Clarence Thomas. His wife, Yay! Jenny, is a head of a, a lobbying group, mm-hmm. uh, very active in a bunch of issues that do appear before the U.S. Supreme Court, like affirmative action and uh, like the January 6th um, riot and, and all the legal repercussions of
4: that. And specifically, Jenny Thomas sent... Twenty nine text messages to Mark Meadows, the chief, chief of staff for Trump. Exactly. At the time of uh, the, the coup and right afterwards, in which she, as the New Yorker put it, militated relentlessly for invalidating the results of the presidential election, which she called an obvious fraud. She said, quote, release the Kraken, which is a MAGA, uh, you know, like code word for. Um, for this notion, this conspiracy theory notion that Trump has some sort of big long-term plan, and he's going to use the you know flip a switch and enact it, and have have the bureaucrats rise up and 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 take over and uh, enact the coup. Uh, so she says to Mark Meadows, "Quote: Release the Kraken and save us from the left taking America down." This is. Um, and she also talks in those text messages about how she had discussed these issues with Jared. Probably that means Jared Kushner, the senior advisor at the time and Trump's son-in-law. Um, this is uh, a horrific violation of uh, judicial ethics that your wife, not just politically active, but currently lobbying uh, the White House to go forward with an a coup, which – It's obviously unconstitutional by the nature of it being a coup. And then these text messages come out in a legal proceeding that went to the Supreme Court. These text messages will likely not be part of the consideration. They likely were not part of the consideration that the justices used in the proceeding that actually showed up in the Supreme Court. But they will be in the next one. And Clarence Thomas is not going to recuse himself in that one. But in the issue uh, that when it rose to the level of Supreme Court, his wife's text messages are key to this issue. And Thomas didn't recuse himself. So I think the difficulty we
3: face in evaluating this is first, um, there are no rules, no
4: yeah, canons right.
3: of judicial That's ethics true. that would require a judge to recuse himself because of a, a wife's activist situation. If the judge or the wife owns stock in IBM mm. and the case comes before the judge, it's Joe Smith versus IBM. The judge has to recuse himself. Supposed the Wall Street Journal busted a bunch of judges in a gigantic uh, uh, study report recently. But So that's one problem. The other problem is that, you know, the fact of the matter is there are a lot of spouses of judges who are very involved, very activist. And I think Exhibit A that the, the left is having a little trouble with. Is a guy named Stephen Reinhardt. Now, he used to be the head of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, mm-hmm. famously the most liberal circuit in the nation. He was like the most liberal judge on the most liberal circuit. Right. He married a woman named Ramona Ripston. Now, I met first uh, met Ramona Ripston first back in the 1970s when we appeared on the Channel 9 KCAL uh, public service show. Nice. She was head of the ACLU, executive director of the California ACLU. Nice. In that capacity, she was intimately involved in lots of litigation that did come before the Ninth Circuit. Nobody called for Reinhardt's recusal just because his wife was front and center running the show. Now, you raise a good point. You know, what if Ginny was so involved, she's actually like a witness. Right. And theoretically, if she becomes a witness, then, you know, just as if she was a witness to a car crash or anything else, that raises a more serious question about I mean, a judge. I John
4: Eastman versus Benny Thompson is probably going to show up on the Supreme Court's docket in the next year. We're in the next 365 days we're going to see this. And that is the sort of situation that 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 I think the the conversation over, you know, Clarence Thomas's failure to recuse himself in the last case and his future likely failures to recuse himself in the future cases, it's the conversation's not going anywhere. It's just going to come right back up. I think there's there's no way and in my mind this guy that you're describing, whose wife is the head of the ACLU, absolutely should be recusing. Should have been recusing himself on all sorts of. Well, his two ladies dead. Oh, can't but do he it, should, it. Can't recuse should, himself been, because you're absolutely. right. I think that there that that you can't separate. I mean, the, the fact that you're you're married to this person, you can't separate that person. That that is a massive entanglement of your lives, and it's very likely that you or your judgment would be impaired by that decision. That is, of course, if you buy into the notion that judges can somehow become impartial and that judges can somehow, you know, uh, abstract themselves from the complications of their own lives in any way whatsoever and make impartial decisions. I don't think that's really possible. I think people are the sum of their experiences and biases and that judges are fooling themselves and us when they say I can be impartial on this. I can zoom out. Judges are who they are. They're appointed by who they appointed by. They are who they voted for their whole lives. Judges are political animals. And the more that we see the court system as... Uh, a political venue in the same way we see Congress, I think the better off we will all be because we will acknowledge that reality. Well,
3: that was pretty easy. We we handled three very simple, straightforward
4: issues in the
3: podcast. Should Trump go to jail? Uh, Should we root for Clarence Thomas to die? Should we give uh, reparations for slavery so we can pat ourselves on the back? Bing, bang, boom. Next week,
4: all sports.
3: Now we're going to America's favorite game show, uh, Guess the Verdict. Are you ready for a facts of a real case? I'm going to give these facts to And we'll just see if he can guess the outcome. And here we go. Criminal defense attorney Clark Head of Calaveras County, California, is appealing the conviction of his client on burglary charges. The lawyer, the defense lawyer, argues that during his final argument, his impassioned final argument to save the life and freedom of his client, the prosecuting attorney broke wind about a 100 times. Oh, my God. Yes. Clark Head argues that the jury was severely distracted. How could they not be, right? And he even said the prosecutor even lifted his leg several times. So that would be a distraction right there for the jury. I would think it would really attract their attention. So uh, up to the Court of Appeal, the uh, conviction goes. And the question for you, Connor, is who wins at the appellate level? Was the conviction affirmed or was it tossed out, giving the unlucky criminal defendant a uh, a second trial perhaps a sweeter smelling trial
4: yeah so this goes to sort of a broad concept of courtroom decorum and whether you can distract. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's the who's the famous lawyer who had the cigar? Clarence ash? Darrow. Clarence
3: Darrow put uh, a, 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 a wire through his cigar so that the ash grew to be about six inches, and all the never jury fell could off. do It never fell off. And all the jury could do was stare at the ash when while his gonna fall?
4: while his opponent was talking. Right, and I mean that seems a little sneaky you know a little cigar smoke might have helped the odor in that That's courtroom true. absolutely it's, it's, it's just saying. pleasant yeah so well to some so it, it's <laughs> it's a good story <laughs> you're not you're not stalling before you come I'm up thinking, with an I'm answer thinking, right. i'm thinking
3: i'm <laughs>
4: thinking so I don't think I don't think he I don't think he gets it I think I think the the the, the flatulence is a normal a uh, normal bodily function I think the the hundred times is lifting unbelievable. the leg is that normal at a certain point it becomes it becomes okay the, this guy did it once or twice that's a normal bodily function uh he's just in a bad spot what are you gonna do we've all been there um and then the next <laughs> level of he's did it 10 or 15 times okay maybe this is somehow intentional a hundred times at that point this is a medical condition on the other end there's no stopping that no Someone who is flatulent a hundred yeah, times thought about that. in 45 yeah. minutes is doing it on purpose. I think that this person... guy's got terminal flatulence. Yeah, he's got some it's a crisis. Somebody get this man in an ambulance.
3: Well, here's the deal, Connor. You're right. You are absolutely right. The conviction was affirmed the prosecutor's conduct was deemed by the court of appeal to be Harmless error. Oh, yeah. You weren't in the room, were you guys? You three guys with your black robes. Maybe some women in there. I don't know. All right. Good job, Connor. Um, So now we've come to the very final uh, segment of the show. Stories I'd Tell My Friends If I Had Any to clarify I have several stories. So Such my story had t- title. Yeah, man. it is a sad <laughs> title. I can't get enough of it. So here's my story it's my close encounter with Jeff Goldblum. He and I are, eh, we we kind of bonded. So this was uh ooh, about 15 years ago 05 or 06 something like that. Uh, I'm in New York City. And I'm on business and uh, had a, a rough day uh, doing my business. <laughs> and there I'm watching David Letterman at uh, 1130 that night uh, from my hotel in Manhattan. And who do I see but Jeff Goldblum, plus a bunch of other people, you know, Paul Schaefer. And yeah, so. on TV. Yeah. yeah. And Jeff Goldblum, of course, is always great. I think he was on Letterman like every year or every other year for as long as Letterman was on. Reliably a terrific guest. So... Good appearance. I finish up my uh my business in the next day or two. So a couple of nights later, um I you know, five, six o'clock at night, I'm at JFK. Mm-hmm. I'm right by my uh my gate where where the plane's gonna take off. I'm just seated there going through my boring emails. And who do I see coming along the people mover? Jenny Togs. Like fifty <laughs> No. Oh wait. About fifty yards away. You just you can't miss him. It's like seeing Shaquille O'Neal and it just you know it's Shaquille. You see it's Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. I could tell. Oh my goodness! It's Jeff just Goldblum. as recognizable as Shaquille. Now he's rolling along on this people mover, and it was kind of like the the lady in Mars Attacks when she's you know really on wheels because uh-huh. she's he's just gliding, gliding you know majestically yeah. in, in his Jeff Goldblum way, and he's very distracted because halfway between me and Jeff Goldblum there is a hippie, mm-hmm. and when I say hippie, I mean he's got the tie dye, he's nice. got the hair, nice. he's yeah, he's right out of the Summer of Love, nineteen sixty seven. And have you seen these juggling sticks? They call them oh, yeah. double sticks. Mm-hmm. He's got three sticks, one in each hand. And the third stick, he flips it just effortlessly. easily, yeah. effortlessly b- between the other two sticks, on yeah. and on. And Jeff Goldblum is just fascinating. He's mesmerized. I, I was worried that maybe he was going to you know, bump into something. Crash. But you, he's, riding, he's, not steering he's riding the, the people over. Mover. Yeah. And so finally,
4: who's driving bo- this people mover? The, the,
3: the, the, thank you, Jerry. So <laughs> the the hippie drops the stick. And oh, so now the spell is, broken. is looking ahead and he's coming up. Now, all of a sudden, Jeff Goldblum is opposite me on his people mover. And he's just like you know, 20 feet away. This is your moment. And this is my moment. And I'm, I'm debating in my head. Should I say something? Mm. Should I? And I can just hear the voices of you and your sisters in my head. Dad, don't do it. They don't want to hear from the normals. Do not uh, do it. uh, Well, I ignored your advice. Well, you're not a normal. So you have a podcast. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, So I ignored your advice and I I cupped my hands around my mouth and and I said, it wasn't a yell and it wasn't a whisper. It was right in between, but the cupped hands actually projected it right to him. And so what I said was, (laughs) Jeff, Jeff. I said, I said, (laughs) Jeff. And of course he looked at me, you know, startled like a deer in the headlights. Well, he just got hit by a sonic blast. What kind of maniac is going to bother me now? Yeah. Yeah. And he looks at me and I say, great job on Letterman. And I give him a thumbs up. (sighs) Great job on Letterman. Subtle. And what does he do? Yeah. He doesn't actually technically speak, but he mouths. Mouths. He mouths the words. And I could tell because I'm not an experienced lip reader, but I'm almost 100% sure. He said, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. So I got a Jeff Goldblum thank Silent you, thank and I you. thought this is kind of a moment, you yeah. know. And then he was on, got off the people yeah. mover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a few minutes later, we the plane is being loaded, and um, I'm in coach, and I, I finally get on the plane, trudging there with my bags. And who do I see in the first row, first class, right next to the window, Jeff Goldblum, headed you know, back to Something, yeah. And, of course, I didn't say anything to him because we'd already had our moment. Yeah, you already had your moment. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So how special was that? You're close personal friends at this point, I think. I would say it's three on a scale of 10, maybe. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty good. He's an amazing talent uh, for everything from Big Chill, Jurassic Park, and all the fly and so on. So it was just great that he and I kind of hung together for that one brief shining moment. Yeah. All right. I'm exhausted telling my uh, my story. I was a little exhausted after the flatulent lawyer story. Hope everybody has a great week, and we will see you next time on Too Many
0: words. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
2: Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards.